gas. Step on the brakes. Now step on the gas. When I say boom, 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 you say bam, bam, bam. No pause in between. Come on, let's jam. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> Those are the words from stage two of Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> where of <you're>, course. <laughs> where you're learning how to drive the car for the first time so you can be the savior um, for all of the boys and girls who are trying to head down to the beach. <laughs> I thought that was Eminem. You were quoting that. But... <laughs> Almost. Got it a little I, I could actually see Eminem being like, when I say boom, 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 you say bam, bam, bam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he'd say something crazy totally. after that, but yeah. Him and Parappa are tight. <laughs> oh, so uh, hi, everybody. This is Martin Ben. I'm the host of the show today. And with me, I have Alex Avard. Uh, how you doing today, fam? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. So... If any time you all hear me kind of drop out for a second, that's because I'm adjusting my leg. Uh, I recently had ACL surgery, which is way more complicated than anyone makes you think it is before you have it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But other than that, man, I'm doing pretty good. What you've been playing lately? Uh, what have I been playing? Um still still lots of overwatch always overwatch you know um mm -hmm. never ends um mainly because of the new update that came out about two weeks ago is that the horde mode update they had yeah uprising so it's got two pve modes or well it's the same pve mode but you can like there's different rules to each one uh and then just like you know a ton of new costumes and cosmetics and all that good stuff so keeps you coming back Gotta hand it to Blizzard. They know how to keep you keep you sustained. Yeah, and is it so? I've only played Overwatch for a little bit. So opening and getting all of those uh, those outfits and stuff that's all still based on loot boxes and everything, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's okay. still um, they haven't like changed it a huge amount. Uh, it is a little easier to earn loot boxes. Um, the arcade mode means you'll be earning like you can easily earn free a week um, just through playing through arcade. Uh, but it's still, you know, I've I've got one legendary item in the past two weeks from probably about 15 to 20 loot boxes. So that gives you an idea. Okay, that's not bad, especially since I know you get a good couple of loot boxes after the end of each match. So it's not bad. At yeah, all. yeah, it's, it's all right. And like, you know, there was a good article on Kotaku about a, a few weeks ago about how, like, even the bad stuff, like even just the stupid sprays or, um, like, emotes uh, are in Overwatch are still quite cool because they kind of uh, embellish the lore. They kind of tell you new stories or new things about the character. So it's not all bad. Okay. Cool, cool. And what else you been working with? Uh, let's see. Guardians of the Galaxy. Telltale. Okay. Um, have you played that? No, I haven't. Um, we did get a code for it, but Daniel's playing through it. But uh, how do you like it thus far? I hear it's got some uh, some new things that they're trying out in there. Yeah, I liked it. Um, it's quite short. I mean, it's only the first episode, obviously. It's very, very heavily influenced by the films. Or the, well, yeah, the films now, I guess, rather than the comics, uh, although it does take kind of... Um, 
cues from that in, in a few ways. Uh, but like the the moment you start up the game, kind of the electric light orchestra starts, boot, you know, bursting through the speakers. Um, then as soon as you kind of enter the first scene, um, you know, Peter Quill's dancing to his mixtape, and it's uh, there's references to How the Dark, and and you know, so obviously Telltale must have loved the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, mm-hmm. um, which is a good and a bad thing. It can get a bit. Um, it can feel a bit too imitative um, rather than trying anything new at times. Mm-hmm. Um, like unlike, say, The Walking Dead, where they kind of stepped out from the shadow of uh, Robert Kirkman's story, which I, which was really ambitious at the time. So hopefully uh, Guardians becomes more like that as the story progresses. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about the Telltale Marvel games that are coming is definitely going to be how much freedom they get to move beyond like what's all within this current Marvel TV and whatever people want to call like the universe of Marvel overall. Um, because you can see the Netflix shows kind of, they move they sort of sidestep being anything to do with the TV show, just mentioning like random events. Um, How has this one sort of handled that? Like, do they, um, are they sitting within like between movie one and movie two, or is it like a completely separate plot line that's like unrelated at all? No, it's a completely separate story. And I will say by the end of the first chapter, Mm -hmm. they do something really that's really kind of a really smart subversion of the marvel cinematic universe and i can't really say what it is because it's kind of a bit of a spoiler Mm -hmm. um but it's it's kind of like a it's almost as if telltale are saying no we we don't care about um the cinematic universe or like you know staying in line with that at all um and i hope they stick to their guns in that because that that was definitely the highlight um it's it's clever and it's a it's a really good scene so um yeah hopefully uh they continue to do that um but at the same time like i said you know you, there's still kind of a lot of familiar themes and familiar characters show up you know there's the collector there's the nova core um it's Thanos, um and so it seems to be sticking to what it knows um so yeah, I just I I want more of that kind of bold, ambitious storytelling that doesn't just kind of stay close to stay too connected uh, to what we've already seen on a big screen before. Yeah, and I played uh, just as a comparison point. I played Telltale Batman, which is very much like they took everything you could possibly use in Batman, took like one of the biggest enemies, and like had actual multiple enemies, and like. It did this subversion of the actual story. Um, uh, exactly, yeah. Batman uh, was great for that. Yeah, like you, you're playing through Batman and you're kind of like, okay, so it's the a, another Batman story. And then you're like, oh, snap. Like, I don't think that this Batman story has actually been told before um, in the way that it's been told because it does a lot to harken back to things that existed before Batman ever even became an idea for Bruce Wayne and you're kind of watching him grapple with like the past as well as what's happening in the present to try to solve what exactly is going on, which was pretty cool. Um, so I hope that, you know, guardians, uh, it was hard to tell like exactly what was going to happen with Batman after episode one, 
So I hope that maybe in the next episode with Guardians, we start to see them uh, expand out a bit more and and start touching more of that universe. Since, I mean, it's space. You can literally do anything. So for them to have like the the Collector and Thanos and all these people you've seen before, it's like, that's cool. I understand you want to grab the Marvel people who've been watching the movies right away. But then you can actually go in and do like a lot more with that um, and take like a more obscure character like Batman did and make them into like this grand villain that like you've never really seen on a screen before. You've never really gotten a huge storyline for and then uh, and then make them into like the big telltale thing. So I hope that's what they do. Yeah, exactly. I That's definitely the thing I love most about their Batman series is how it just took these all, all, all these creative liberties um, with kind of expectations from the fiction. Um, and there are moments of that in episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's it's still only, you know, not, well, it's probably, I think it's less than 90 minutes. So they don't have a lot of time to make a lot of huge leaps. So fingers crossed that the next four episodes make those same kind of um, bold decisions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. Only an hour and a half. I think m- most of the Telltale episodes previously have been like two hours. So that's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I guess it depends how quickly you can um, figure out the puzzles, which are very like they're pretty easy. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, some some Telltale episodes have been like an hour long. And that's a little, but yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. And uh, anything else you've been playing besides those two things, man? Uh, not really. How about you? What? Do you... Actually, I know what you've been playing because I see you pop up on my friends list every now and again. Some of that Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> How's that going? Um, so I see everything in terms of problems people have with Mass Effect Andromeda. But I just kind of can't lie like... A part of me just enjoys having a space game where I go to a place, I have a set of activities, I do them, and the place gets better because of it. Um, So I'm at the point now where I've gone to two planets and liberated two planets. Um, So I've done Eos and Havaro. And then I I just went back to Eos to, like, finish stuff up there because now you can actually drive around everywhere, which you couldn't before. So I went back there to finish everything up there. And I actually have reached the point now where I'm fighting my first remnant architect. And uh, yeah, man, I don't, (laughs) I've tried different combinations. Like I'm set up like right near a place where you can heal. So I don't even have to worry about like having different health and stuff. Um, I think I need to go and grab like more RPG stuff so that like I can shoot this thing better. But my God, like I played for like two hours trying to fight that thing. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to take a break (laughs) and come back to it because it kind of feels like when I first started the game, I reached this area where I was definitely under leveled on EOS. So like you were fighting um, one of the big, uh rock type things that comes with the uh oh yeah yeah yeah. so i was fighting that but like it was clear like my my weapons weren't high enough like none of the stuff i was doing was high enough whereas this one now like 
my biotic character is like really high level, but it doesn't really make any difference because biotic weapons and stuff don't do anything against them. So I got to get like, uh, I've been having, trying to find like the best combination because biotics work great against the add-ons that come out from them after you've taken him, his legs down. But when I'm trying to just kill him at the end, like I've reached the point multiple times now where like I'm right at the end and I'm just shooting his face and I just can't get his life to go down fast enough. Like I'm just shooting forever and like running between like cover and then the little pods so that you can like reload with ammo and everything and then running back to cover and yeah it's just (laughs) it's just not happening for me right now so I had to take a break and just be like okay I'll come back to it and figure it out um yeah it seems to me like you got two options here you could either um lower the difficulty Mm mm-hmm or, uh, as they say, get good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely on the path of anytime I encounter stuff like this, it's like, I got to get good, man. I just got to get good because I can beat this thing. I know I can because I've literally uh, gotten them down to the point, like, and it's gotten faster each time where I'm like, okay, so three legs taken out and then he comes at me. And so the only problem is that I've started like I'm trying different combinations of things and it's just not working (laughs) as of right now, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, Um, I mean, like that's, that was my main problem with Andromeda is just, it constantly felt like it was like slowing the player down more than they needed to like, just like so much bloatedness. So getting stuck in a boss fight doesn't sound like a pretty picture right now, Um, (laughs) but if you're enjoying it, fair play to you. Like there's certainly stuff to be enjoyed and like, I'm glad that you're feeling that sense of progression with the, with the planet stuff. Um, how, like, when you say you've finished EOS, does that mean you've like completed everything there is on there, or is, or is there just so many side quests to do that? It's you just mean it in like a more general sense. I so I finished it in the sense like it's like like eighty eight percent, and I could walk away now. But so the two things I have left are this remnant architect fight, and then that cat base that's on the other side of the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So, like, the main area is all taken care of, but what I... So, what I did when I left was I made... So, which type of outpost did you make it? I made it a scientific outpost because I was like, I want better weapons. I don't really care about, like, you guys being successful against everybody. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember, actually. Um, yeah, I think mine was science, too. I was like, I don't want to be, like, a new imperial power to be honest yeah yeah Um, and that's kind of what it was so for anyone who hasn't played andromeda yet who hasn't gotten this far um when you actually finish the objectives on eos you get an outpost area and you make a new one that replaces the old one that you were coming down to investigate and when you do that on each planet you can decide what kind of outpost it's going to be um and you can send troops or you can send like scientific folks there so that you can kind of create the kind of presence in the in the planet that you want. So like Alex said, I was basically like, I don't want to be an imperial force coming down, like injecting myself into this area without uh, without like having contributed anything 
But at the same time, you come back and you after you do that and there's like uh, another cat outpost and you're kind of like, well, maybe I should have left some military people here <laughs> because now they don't have anything to really protect themselves. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's um, that that kind of idea of science or military kind of pervades the the whole story. Yeah, but it's it feels a little binary, to be honest. It's it's like it's never like that in real life. It's never like oh, we must be a scientist or a soldier. Like I don't know, thought it was a bit weird to be honest. It, it felt like the replacement for Paragon um, Vanguard. Was that what it was from Master yeah. Two and Three? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I definitely agree because you do reach a point where they're like, oh, so who do you want to rescue? Uh, who do you want to pull out of the pods, right? And for me, it was always kind of like, well, damn, I really do want better weapons, but I also want the science folks. But then, dang, I really also want the tech folks because I need to carry more stuff. Like, I can carry a 100 things now, but I'm also reaching the maximum of that because, like, I'm developing more weapons all the time. And then the other part is then you're going down like to make your character like unique. You can create like each different type of researched um, weapon. So I was doing uh, I've been using like sniper rifles and automatic rifles. And um, every now and then, like it'll just give you a higher level like shotgun or pistol or something like that. And it's like. Well, I thought that I had to develop these, but now they're going to drop all the time. But I'm not also high enough level where I can even use like a level four version of this yet because I'm only like level 20 or so. Um, and so I'm just like, every time they throw something at me, I'm just like, I don't know what this means. I don't think that it really means that much. Um, not not going to lie, you're, you're just tri- triggering awful memories of my playthrough. Just, <laughs> I just, I, I am so, yeah, every, anything to do with that game, I just have negative thoughts. Even though there's good stuff in it, I'm just, oh, did not like, I did not have a lot of fun. But, you know, it's it's got its merits. So, yeah, it's good I would... that, that people like you are enjoying it. And the update was cool, too, that they made the facial animations and stuff like that. So, good on them. Hopefully the DLC is a little bit better. Yeah, that's the same thing that I think, too. Like, I'm kind of, like, as I'm playing through it, because I'm playing really slow. Like, I've had the game since launch, which was about a month ago now. And, like I said, I've only done two of the planets. So, <laughs> I've been kind of trying to just take my time with it instead of rushing through it. Because if I was rushing through this game like you were doing as you're reviewing, I would have definitely been like, okay, I can't stand this. I don't really want to have these conversations with people. I don't really want to like, like I just want to be on the planets. I want to walk around and I want them to be uh, in, I want them to be interactive and I want them to have other races and all that stuff. And thus far I've gotten like new races on Eos with the Ket, and then Havaral had the uh, Havaral and Vold has the other new species that Jal is, but it's kind of weird because I was like, so, and so this is another thing you run into, like you get to the second set of species only to realize that like most of the golden worlds that you're talking about have been populated by this species. So it was very weird where I was like, okay, so we're in like this cluster. 
it was supposed to be that these places were like relatively uninhabited, but they were good for um, good for human uh, civilization. And then you get there and it's kind of like, oh, so these people have already been here. They've already been using this stuff. And now you're just going to make it easier for them to use it. And I don't know. It was very weird. Um, going on EOS was like, oh, I'm actually like helping humanity like settle down for the first time. And then it kind of turns into, oh, yeah, well, humanity shows up and they're the only ones who can do this kind of thing. It's really weird. Uh, anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. That, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Mass Effect. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I wrote a thing on it and it's like it's only becoming truer as time comes by where, you know, with the original Mass Effect series, the thing that I thought that people liked about it, like regardless of what they thought of three or, or the ending or anything like that, I think the thing they liked about it most was you created the character and their um, and sort of their way of reacting to things. And even though it was very stilted, like. Every now and then you just be like, oh, yeah, let's be the renegade for this. And then you slapped a re- female reporter and you're like, wait a second, fam. That's not what I was. That's not what I was going for. Even though you would have moments like that, like your character was built like in terms of what you wanted him to be. And as he became more and more of a specter, you got bigger and better decisions to make. In this one, you kind of just jump into it and you're given the keys to the planet uh and or to the universe essentially to unlock all of these planets for humanity and it's kind of like yeah well i mean i don't know if i earned that i think anybody on this like as part of this human team could have done this why is my character special kind of thing and i think they still lose that uh throughout that game but yeah like you said it has a couple things it does well and definitely a lot of other more frustrating things uh that's going on too so yeah yeah anyway we can only, we can only wait so <laughs> yeah and then uh what else have i been playing uh i started cosmic star heroin uh which came out this week um it's a little bit more of an rpg than i anticipated uh like very much a turn-based rpg mechanic and everything like i thought it was going to be more uh i thought it was going to be like more 2d side scroller than it is um, which it's still 2D, but it's more like the old Final Fantasies and Chrono Trigger and all that stuff than uh, than I anticipated, which was which is very, very much my fault because I didn't look that deep into it. I was just like, oh, that's cool. It's in space. It's a woman. She's r- rolling through these areas. She's going to be doing some finding out some things and stopping evil. OK, I could use another Metroid type game. Only to find out that it's really more of a uh, cosmic uh, Chrono Trigger type game. So, <laughs> interesting. Uh, is yeah, it like is that hardcore? Difficult? Uh, you have four difficulty settings. So you have one that's like really easy, and then one that's pretty hard. And the way in which like the system works, so you get into your turn based mechanics, right? But each item that you use like each ability you use can only be used like once and then you have to use a refresh uh to get them back so like you have to plan out like how strong is this enemy do i want to use all of my abilities at once to kill them right away or do i want to use like one that's really effective and then refresh and get another one and when you're doing your refresh for the abilities like your your guard goes up at that point as well so 
you also get companions. So like I only played like a little bit. So I only got like your first companion that you work with. And um, so they have like this gun ability that can then target like multiple characters or can shoot just one of them. And then your character uh, has like this uh, water ability as well as like a spear that you have. So it's very much like a full-blown RPG. And I'm playing on just hard. Uh, and just getting used to playing that type of game again was like, okay, <laughs> this is very different from most of the RPGs I've been playing lately. Uh, and it is rather difficult just on the hard mode. Uh, I haven't played on like the hard, hardcore mode though. Yeah, that sounds. Um, is it on PS4? Yeah, yeah, it's on yeah. PS4. How much? Like, how much is it? Is it good value for money? Uh, it is. I want to say fifteen dollars. Um, it's all right. Yeah, decent yeah, price like, for an indie game. Yeah, and I don't think that it's short either. Um, let me see what they're saying for for this. I believe it's at least a good, um, at least a good like ten. Yeah. So this is saying a completionist run of the game uh, is reporting about fifteen hours. So yeah, about a dollar an hour then. There we yeah, go. <laughs> if, if that's how you look at it, like with the dollar an hour, then yeah, I would definitely be like, that's worth fifteen dollars. Um, cause I definitely don't think that, uh, just because you get more hours in a game doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't worth the amount of money. But from what I've played thus far, it's a high quality, like two bit, um, uh, RPG that you're, or eight bit RPG that you're running around in. So I would say that it's, yeah, definitely worth the, uh, the $15. Cool. Yeah. I'm have to give it a whirl then have a look. Yeah, and I now have uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 here that I got to check out. I only played, like, the really opening thing. And as someone who's never played a Dragon Quest game, I think it'll be pretty interesting uh, just to be like, oh, yeah, um, these are characters I have no background with. And we're going to put them in a warrior-style game where they're just, like, running through enemies and, (laughs) like, getting all these people thrown at you. So... Um, it's supposed to be pretty short, so we'll see how that ends up going. Speak actually, now that you mention um, Dragon Age, I just mm-hmm. I just remembered I also tackled uh, Shyness, the Lightning Kingdom. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I actually have. I don't know what it's about though. What's it about? It's uh, like a. I mean, you you mentioned the word dragon, so this will. Brought about by it's kind of like uh, Dragon Quest in the in the sense that it's kind of a party based, semi open world RPG, um, and I won't say too much on it because I f- I feel like it's a better game the more you go in blind, mm-hmm. but it's it's good it's a lot of fun and if you like and it's a, it's not a lot of money for what for the amount of hours you'll get which is probably about up to twenty maybe even more depending on how much of a completionist you are. But it's mm-hmm. fun, uh, good combat that reminds me of uh, the Naruto Ultimate games. Um, kind of arena-based, fast-paced, got a bit of kind of Tekken to it. Mm-hmm. Um, with just like really kind of this hand-painted cartoony anime style, which is just, you know, easily easily catches the eye. So yeah, that's a lot of fun, and I'd, I'd recommend that if you're, if you're into something like that. Um, and it's it was a Kickstarter game, I believe. So it's out on PS4 and PC. 
Nice, nice. Um, yeah, so let's get into a little bit of the uh, news and things that uh, came out this week. So um, the biggest news that came out is, uh, or the biggest news between two weeks ago and this podcast since last week was all just like the quarterly look back. Um, the biggest news for me, at least, is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yes, and yes, yes, for yes. That. So, Alex, I know you wrote for App Trigger about all the ways in which you thought that Star it's Wars... It's like they read my article <laughs> and were like, you know what? This articulate, intelligent guy is right. And we should just follow his lead. And, you know, a few months before, they just rebooted the entire thing. And here we are. So you're welcome. Well... <laughs> Yes, yes. World, it is now Avard's universe, and you're just living in it. Um, <laughs> so, the thing that has me most excited about Battlefront 2, though, is this story from the Imperial perspective, where, like, this woman is just like, yo, y'all just gonna come into my house and blow up my Star Destroyer? Oh, hell nah. I am taking all of them down. And 30 years goes by of her just trying to tackle all these people. And that's kind of like what I'm most excited about, just to see the hate that she's going to have for all of the Jedi. Because as much as I love Star Wars, like if there's anything that they could do better, it's actually showing the other side of humanize the, the humanized imperials it's, yeah, yeah like otherwise they're just bad shooting all white dressing uh people who have like really supreme leaders who took over the world one day uh but yeah man that's what i'm most excited about what are you most looking forward to like based on what they've said thus far i i am really interested to see how the story spans three different timelines because that's what it looks like, right? As in, it, like, there's bits from the original trilogy, and then oh, actually, maybe not the prequels, but and then it goes into the kind of Force Awakens type era. Um, yeah. How I, old is this lady? You know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, it says thirty years, so I feel like she's gonna start young and then grow into like the military role she's in, because. 30 years is what they said was the gap between like the end of episode six and the beginning of episode seven. So I feel like this is going to bridge some of the gap where um, it's going to look at what happened after the first Star Destroyer was taken down all the way to like what happens when Ray and all those people start coming into the picture as well and what the... <clears throat> what the empire and then by extension cal ren and the uh what's the name of cal ren's group in the episode um seven? the knights of something yeah 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 <laughs> whatever whatever their new thing is in episode seven like it's i'm assuming it's going to go from like episode four the end of that all the way into the beginning of episode seven kind of bridging that gap uh, in a way yeah and i think i mean i'm still kind of cautious in my optimism because we haven't seen any gameplay and i want the gameplay to be more mechanically satisfying uh, a bit more rigorous um and hopefully hopefully they have um i know they have class classes now in multiplayer and i know they have space battles but i still i still it, i just want it to be 
and it's it feels bad to say this, but I just want it to be like uh, Battlefield. You know, it, mm-hmm. I want it to have that depth and that quality to it, uh, where you can still have fun even if you're not doing very well, because you can just I don't know repair a ship or you know fly about or just I want it to have that sandbox quality, which which the original Battlefront did not have at all. Yeah, I definitely as somebody who's only played like a little bit of Battlefield, like. I know the appeal of that game is like people can do so many different things. And and I know Battlefront, it was like, yeah, you're going to take this guy. You're going to run into battle. You're going to shoot some things and pick up some items. And that's about as deep as it goes. It, it was just a glorified <laughs> version of who shot first. Everyone was just fire, like blind firing at each other. It, was, it really was just absolute bedlam. Like nothing was going right. There was no balance. The spawning was all over the place uh and it was it was just it was fun but it wasn't sustainably fun you know you couldn't like really dig your heels and go yeah this is a game i want to get really good at and kind of have a competitive essence to it because it's so unbalanced yeah yeah and then like each new weapon that a person would get would be like way more powerful especially at the beginning like the beginning of that game like the the um the DLC weapon they gave everyone who pre-ordered was way more powerful than any of the other guns. Like you would get hit twice with the thing, and it's like, well, that's a pistol, and I have an assault rifle, and he's shooting me from like the other side of of this area. But he hits me once, my shields are gone. He hits me a second time, and I'm dead. But I'm like aiming at his head with this assault rifle, and I can't do anything to kill him uh in the same time span so yeah and, and that still might be the same thing because there's a pre-order bonus for what is it um like kylo ren players mm-hmm. kylo ren in multiplayer that could go wrong because yeah. i mean yeah so we'll see how it goes i'm still there's no season pass so all signs point to good things but i'll wait and see have you uh played titanfall 2 at all or the titanfall games because they don't have a season pass yeah, yeah. also but i'm not certain how comprehensive the things they added into those games they've added like two or three maps and most of them have been remakes of old maps so you know it's it's (laughs) give or take positives and benefits to both i guess yeah okay yeah that's so you know i got the story i'm looking forward to i got the uh the new classes just because split screen as well let's not forget that yes Split screen is like I you actually saying that is uh, a reminder because I had forgotten that. But yeah, the other one, the fact that they only had like ten missions that were split screen and they were the basically the exact same thing but in a different area, that was just like, come on, man, come on, you guys could do better than that. Yeah, that uh, was that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I watched that trailer like five to ten times. And uh, that is definitely in my early going for like best trailers of this year. Because I'm just like, the whole time I was just like, oh, snap. Oh, shoot. Wait, she's evil? Oh, man, I'm all down for this game. <laughs> you you want to know something? It was better than the, the trailer for The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So I'm actually right there with you. Like, I watched the last Jedi trailer. I was like, okay, so Luke's about to kill some people or he's going to try to convince her not to be a Jedi or something like that. I don't know. But 
I watched this and I was like, oh, yeah, fam, I want to know everything that happens in this game. <laughs> I was like, I can kind of take The Last Jedi, whether it's here or there. But in terms of what I'm hyped for in Star Wars, it's definitely in the games more than it's in that movie. Yeah, right right now, for sure. Right now, for sure. So, um, And the story is being written by Mitch Dyer, or co-written by Mitch Dyer, who was at IGN and reviewed the original Battlefront, and I shared, I, like, I shared his entire kind of opinions of, of the game. So he knows about what was wrong in the original, which bodes well, I think. Um, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see. And the other writer on it is from Spec Ops The Line, which is yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a very critically acclaimed game. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, uh, I mean, really, like, the visuals in that trailer too like when the uh millennium falcons like gliding above the water as it's trying to escape away from the uh Ooh, yeah. imperial ships Ooh. i'm oh. just like oh pitch my. perfect pitch perfect <laughs> i'm like there's if this game looks anywhere near that good man my god that <laughs> that's crazy it's only 2 years later and i don't know what dice puts into like their uh their kitchen for their workers but goodness yeah, yeah, so something. I want what they're having. <laughs> it's like probably the drug from Limitless. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and now it's been like, and Bradley Cooper's like at their office each week, just like, all right, here's a new version of the drug, just to get you guys a little bit better than you were before. They haven't slept for for years. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, man. So Star Wars Battlefront Two that comes out in November. Uh, we'll have the first, I think the first gameplay trailers in May, is it? So, yeah, something like that, I think. Yeah. So Around the same have... time as Destiny, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they're definitely doing it right to come out a couple of months after Destiny. You know, let people jump into Destiny 2, get really excited about it, play it for or like a month or two, and then give them something else to do. Because I... Yep. While other people have said there's been too many space shooters, I think that the only problem was that everything became a space shooter all at once. <laughs> so Destiny became a space shooter, then Titanfall, then Call of Duty, then Battlefield. Uh, the last one was like they just were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a cop one, and then we're going to do uh, yeah. we're gonna go back to World War One this time." <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting and much more diverse fall in terms of what people are offering. Uh, yeah, which, I'm excited. Which leads me into uh, number two thing. So this week we have coming up the uh, Call of Duty World War II announcement, uh, which is meant to come out uh, on the 26th, I believe. We're going to get a trailer for it, which I'm pretty sure will just be a story trailer. Um, yeah, but, it'll be the usual, just kind of flashy cutscenes and you know, all the blockbuster set pieces and all that. So should be all right. Yeah. So uh, are you like one of those people who have been dying for Call of Duty to go back to World War II? I'm not. I mean, I'm not dying for it. I'm interested. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly more interested than them staying in space or, you know, the future or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I am also one of those people who really loved World at War. Mm -hmm. uh, more than like the kind of future modern warfare games which came out mm -hmm. um and i'm interested uh, and advanced warfare was one of my favorite call of duty campaigns and i'm so i'm interested to see what sledgehammer do 
Um, and it should be should be something that hopefully gets the tone right uh, in the same way that Battlefield Battlefield One did, uh, maybe even a little bit better. And I hope it doesn't kind of go for that bombast glorification, bro fisting, bleh, you know, that Call of Duty sometimes does. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm not really a, a Call of Duty person at all. Uh, I think I don't think I've ever finished a campaign. I played World at War though, so I played World at World World at War mostly because I liked the two perspectives they presented. So you played as a U.S. and a Russian soldier, uh, so I like that. So you could play on both the East and Western Front, but um, I honestly have not played. I haven't played War- Modern Warfare one, two, or three. I've played Black Ops, but only zombies mode. So I'll be interested to see what the actual story is going to be in this uh, Call of Duty World War II, just because everything they've been doing lately has been like, oh, this is a part of this series. And then the others are like, this is a part of this series. And like you're seeing like the Black Ops series goes from one to three and all of that story intertwines. So this is kind of like another brand new entry in the uh, in the call of duty series where it's like starting a new story so i think it'll be pretty interesting to see what they yeah. given us with that i actually I, it's funny you said that because world at war was part of black ops 2 like characters from world at war show up in black ops and uh black ops 2 i think at one point so it's all very you know it's like the marvel cinematic universe if you don't know it like in detail then it's gonna be hard to kind of recognize these characters so i'm glad they're starting afresh and world at war had this kind of this really dark intensity to it which is a trademark of Treyarch actually in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and I, I'm really hoping that Sledgehammer can kind of replicate that in a bit um, rather than I want it to be dark and, and horrible and and something that, and powerful you know uh, something that actually impacts you um, and something that works as a coherent story uh, rather than because it seems to be the blueprint of the day for Call of Duty stories is, ha- you know, get in a expensive actor that everyone recognizes, mocap him and make him the villain. And I yeah. don't want them to do that this time around. I want them to think more, more um, intensely about what, how, like how they can tell a good story without having to rely on Kevin Spacey or who was the other guy, Kit Harrington. You know, um, I want, I want characters that I can invest in and, and, and that camaraderie kind of Band of Brothers thing may be uh, the focus, but there's got to be some, you know, real intense drama in there too. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I really worry about with this is, so I'm kind of a history guy. Like, I read a lot about, like, what caused these wars and how they got into them. I think the biggest thing that Call of Duty misses for me is it's like the stories are, they always start in the war and you never really start before the war happens like you just get put into a character that's in this war without much context and i think a game that kind of grants you all of that really easily is like valiant hearts and so when you play valiant hearts like each time you arrive at a place you get like a pop-up that explains what's happening and why uh and it even gives you multiple perspectives throughout that so I hope that this Call of Duty like extends. Um, right, right now it's just showing a U.S. soldier, 
but the U.S. was only in World War II for the second half of it. But, like, I want them to show, like, the first half of the war, like, to be a part of, like, as you said, in that darkness, because it's a very dark time for France. They lose, like, 500,000 people within a month at the beginning of World War II. And, like, you see the European nations just, like, all, like, running, like, trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do in response to the fact that, like, the first line of defense is gone so quickly and they're now they're having to come back and like it's Europe against everybody. And then Russia's on the side of the Germans at first as well. And so all of those things are impacted. And then you have like colonial empires that are fighting um, on like in Africa and more out East as well. And like you have all of those things that are coming into play. So I hope that they, give you a spanning version of World War II, given that we have, like, the technology to do so much. Like, I want to see fights in the Sahara. I want to see fights on the Western Front more, like, outside of Stalingrad. Uh, And definitely, like, if they can get, like, a really intense battle over the strait between, like, uh, England and France, like, as they're doing, like, the air battles there, like, I think that that would be pretty cool as well. Um, just to show more of like, I, I'm, I'm glad that the United States is like the focus of these things like great. But I think that the people who suffered the most should probably see so much of like what was like the driving force behind this war. And I think that the games could do a good job of that without even having to pick sides. Like this is the one thing where you don't have to pick sides of who was the bad guy and who was good. Like, you can literally just be like, look, man, so them motherfuckers came over here and (laughs) they started bombing everything and we had to do something. And then they got these people involved and, like, you can bring the U.S. in later. So it should be a really cool story. And I would hope that it's a really cool story that tells all of that um, and gives you, like, context for it beyond, like, oh, yeah, you're a United States soldier, it's D-Day, you're coming up on the French or Like, I just hope it's a little bit more in-depth yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the classic kind of World War II campaign, isn't it? Um, where it's just told from an American perspective, uh, just a you know band of heroes. Yeah. Um, and I think talking about that kind of international scope, I think Battlefield 1 captured that really well in terms of, you know, stating that this, you know, this was a an international theater of conflict. And so I don't know if you played the campaign, but it told like stories from many different sides and many different perspectives, even like uh, the rebels fighting against the Ottoman Empire in yeah. World War One. Um, I'm I I am a little um, I guess a bit more pessimistic. I'm not sure whether Call of Duty will will have that same sort of scope or whether it will just be yeah explosions, you know, the usual spiel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good thing that. It's also a good thing that um, the game is set in World War Two compared to Battlefield One, which was, you know, Civil World One. So mm-hmm. they're tackling two different time time periods, which is good. It keeps things refreshing, and I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. Um, but yeah, it'll be. And we haven't had World War Two set um, stories for a while now in video games. So um, interested, certainly interested. Yeah, it's definitely world war ii kind of dropped out of the lexicon but between dunkirk which is the christopher nolan movie coming out this summer and call of duty seems like it uh might be getting back into the public consciousness a little bit um more lately uh so we'll see 
we'll see how it ends up going. Uh, speaking of things with grand scopes, are, uh, do you ever turn Grand Theft Auto online on again? Uh, no. <laughs> no. They, I, I, yeah, no. <laughs> so they just put in a top-down racing mode in that game. I saw so, that, yeah. So in addition to, so like all the other racing stuff they have in there already, like it's already ridiculous. Like you can create these courses that like go up mountains and like have you twisting all around the air. Like it's already ridiculous. And on top of that, now they've added this race top down racing mode that has like a daytime, a nighttime, like you turn your lights on, like you do tricks. It's, I have to say, I've <laughs> never like seen a game justify the fact that <laughs> After four years, it's still one of the top sellers. With games. no story DLC. <laughs> they not. promised story DLC. Where is it? They're, they're never going to put that out, man. I'm just I like... Think, I think Rockstar have realized how lucrative the online, uh, like the online space is for them. And which is probably why Red Dead 2 is going to be like a mainly online game. Yeah. They, I think they're just raking the cash in because GTA... I went into my second-hand game store today. GTA is still like almost full price for a used copy on PS4. Yeah, like man. more more than you know all these other games that have come out. Um, you know, poor Battleborn was sitting there for like <laughs> three dollars or the equivalent of three dollars, and it's right next to like GTA, which is like still a good fifty, the equivalent of fifty bucks, I guess. Yeah, and it's just like they they know and they 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 don't care about people who want you know story DLCs. Um, it's like the online GTA Online for. Reasons which belie me because I found the loading screens just horrendous, like the loading times. Sorry, mm -hmm. um, it's a thriving community of um, you know grievers and nihilists and anarchists. So <laughs> yeah, fair play, I guess. You know. Yeah, man. I I so I only like when they announced heist. That was when I was like, okay, let me do some of this GTA Online stuff. Because I logged on when it initially started. Like, I had GTA Five on uh, PS3. And so, initially, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting this because I'm going to play Grand Theft Auto Five and I'm going to do Heist. And then Heist didn't come out until, like, l like six months later or, or a year later with the new systems. And then, like, the online component didn't come out until, like, six months later. And it was terrible. Uh, I even got like a million dollars from them because it was so bad just trying to get online and stuff. Uh, but now I'm kind of tempted to go back in and just be like, so what the heck is going on in here now? Because they have like regular events like they treat Grand Theft Auto Online the same way that Blizzard treats Overwatch. Like they have new skins that come out regularly. They have new modes. And I'm just like. I didn't realize that people really wanted to sink this much time into like the Grand Theft Auto world because I thought everybody was most excited for, like you said, the single player DLC. And here we are four years later. That stuff's just like, eh, it's never coming. But we have a new game coming out, which will do the exact same thing, but puts you in the Wild West with horses and carriages and like you're going to. I imagine there will be a heist mode to like if you can heist a train like if you can steal from a train in uh in Red Dead Redemption 2 like I think that's like the big mode that they're probably going to try to sell people on is just 
here's another one. Like you get your friends, like some of them will be in the carriage. Some of them will sneak on the train and take it. Like you'll have the horses nearby. The guys can jump off and like ride off all the horses. And then like, you got to get away from the sheriffs and all that stuff later too. Like, I think that would be an excellent mode to have in the online. Oh yeah. I'm sure Red Dead will have all sorts of crazy things like you'll be able to own houses run brothels yeah uh, that yeah, will definitely be trains and and horses and um i i'm i i just i'm like a little scared that the focus online might take away from the story and the single player stuff a little bit mm-hmm. um and i mean we haven't heard a lot about it to be fair uh, and I'm sure it's going to be delayed, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, we still haven't heard much about it since it's revealed. So, um, yeah, I I, I, I I, hope that single player isn't lost in all this kind of multiplayer madness because that's my favorite part of, of Rockstar Games and it's always been my favorite part. Um, and like you, I kind of I played the heist in GTA V online when it came out and they were good. It's just they annoyed me because like if you failed it, like halfway through, it would send you back to a checkpoint miles away, and then you like load it up again. Really long loading screens, and then someone would like drop out accidentally, and then they had to come back in. And like, if you don't, if you didn't know three other people to cooperate with, it was really hard to complete it. Um, so I think it's probably it's like it's one of those games where if you know an online community who constantly play it, and I'm sure it's a lot of fun, uh, but yeah. I don't. So you know, <laughs> on to yeah. other things. Yeah, exactly. And the other part is for me is always kind of like there's always something new to play. So I while I like games that you can obviously put in and just play whenever, like I own Destiny, like I'm not ashamed to be like, yeah, every now and then I turn that game on and literally just do one strike or one mission or something like that just because it's really fun to play. But for me, it was always like, I mean, but Grand Theft Auto, like there's... There's already so much you can do in that game that, like, to get lost in it after the main story is already 30 hours. And then just driving around between that main story, you know, it's probably pretty bad, too. But overall, I think that, in, in a way, it is uh, it's definitely interesting that so many people are still playing and still buying it. Um, so the last bit of news was from... Um, the last bit of news was from uh, Nintendo, and <laughs> in true Nintendo fashion, Reb's not here to defend them, so let's let's, let's get in there and just take them out. So uh, the Nintendo Classic is uh, discontinued um, for reasons, <laughs> for reasons unbeknownst to me. Uh, they unbeknownst never... to anyone, I don't think. I think unbeknownst probably to Nintendo. I think someone just. Maybe some intern hit the cancel button on all the shipments, <laughs> and they're just like, "Oh, well, we'll just go along with it because we're Nintendo. Yeah, we'll just I, do whatever." Like they never replenish stock from December. How, how are they possibly thinking anyone was going to be like, "Oh man, I'm still waiting for this." And like the resellers, I still reselling it for like four or five times the price. So do, I mean, do they have a business team? Do they understand the concept of? supply and demand like do they have any idea of economics like i don't i don't study economics and i'm i'm pretty bad at economic stuff but even i recognize if there's a high demand for a product that's selling really well and mm-hmm. everyone loves it's getting you know largely positive reviews with a few caveats why would you stop it unless you're doing like a 
you know, a, a crazy cool limited edition, which didn't seem like they were doing that. Yeah, and then definitely... just suddenly out of the blue, it's just like, oh, well, stocks have been low, so we're just going to stop. Yeah. It just it, they they defy the laws of rational thinking. I don't understand. I'm, I... I'm I'm just flabbergasted, to be honest. To 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 counter that point as well. Now, uh, Eurogamers, um, I think it's Tom Phillips, is saying that they have uh, a mini a, a super mini NES. So. They're getting rid of the NES Classic, which they never made enough of, and none of those games are all available for any of their other devices yet, and they're not like making any of the old devices that you can buy all those games on, and then they're going to make a Super Mini NES to sell this year that's likely going to have the same problem, and then they're still not telling you anything about whether or not the Switch will have virtual console. Because I saw that rolling around where people were like, oh, well, maybe they're getting rid of it because they're going to launch all of these games on the Nintendo Switch and try to sell it that way. And I was like, but then why would they make a super mini NES? Like, those markets aren't cannibalizing themselves. Like, they'll make more money off of, like, the fact that they're basically putting in... uh a little bit of hardware work and some mostly software ROMs to make their games work. Like I imagine they made a lot of money off of every $60 purchase that people made of that game uh, or of that system. And to make another one, they're going to make a lot of money off of that too. But yeah, it's because they're <laughs> Nintendo. They can, you know, they'll still, they'll make money, whatever they do. You know, they're just, they have, they have a reputation and, you know, fair place to them. They built it over, a series of, of decades so they can just kind of do what they want so yeah. fair play even if that makes no sense it doesn't matter because it's nintendo yeah nintendo 64 classic is uh if they put a uh if they put the golden eye on there and they make it so that you can have at least two remotes not gonna lie i will be tempted uh but i'd also love to just have all of that on the Nintendo Switch, so I don't have to have, like, five things plugged into my TV. But either way, oh, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, Nintendo, what are you doing? Yeah, no no one seems to know that. Uh, but, yeah, man, uh, that's pretty much everything that I had for today's show. So let the people know where to find you, Alex. Where can we find your writings? Where can we find your thoughts? uh usual places app trigger uh, a few others and obviously on twitter alex avar 95 not much you know i mean it's just a, a stream of consciousness on my twitter so feel free to follow or unfollow as you wish because <laughs> there's nothing of inherent value there but hey if i entertain you a little bit then i've done my job um so i saw that you had uh so you turned in your not your dissertation, but like your one of your final papers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a free man. <laughs> so more more tweets than usual, probably. To be honest. <laughs> cool, cool. And you all can find me, your host, at G O T M A B twenty one. That's Red Fox. You can find the show on Twitter at Screen Looker Pod. You can email us any comments or uh, thoughts you have on each show at screenlookerspod at gmail.com. And you can reach out to us on Facebook at ScreenLookerPod. 
Um, you can find our show on SoundCloud as well as use the RS feed, RSS feed in any of your favorite podcast algorithm chooses. Uh, so I use RSS radio, um, but you can also put it into any of your other RSS feeds that can uh, can play podcast links. Um, so that's the show today, everyone. And uh, with that, it's a pleasure as always, Alex. And we'll talk to you all next week. See you later.